Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Did you, America? Welcome to another edition of Did You America? He's Jeremy. I'm Ian Camfield. Thank you for hanging out. If you're new, welcome. If you want to hear old stuff, because you've missed quite a few months, it all exists at didyouamerica.com. That is where uh, Jeremy and I exist in cartoon form as well. If you search hard enough, you can probably find our nudes there too. Absolutely. Well, I've, I've decided to remove them because I think that... What? We, we, look, we need to do... No wonder we're not making any money with this. Social media one step at a time, and when there's OnlyFans, then we do the nudes. You can't give everyone everything all the way. You can't give them the money shot immediately. I, you know, I was never... I'm never... I'm not a big social media person, but when Snapchat first became a thing and all my friends were getting that, they'd be like Jeremy like why don't you get this you you could take such funny pics and like girls will send you nudes I tell all of them the same thing my dick pics are not meant to last five seconds those things are for life <laughs> that's gold <laughs> didyouamerica.com uh, the place to go to for uh, all of those things we were just discussing off air actually how when you make yourself into a uh, cartoon form um, it can actually do wonders for your popularity. Uh, we, we, we were having this conversation about the uh, the British band Blur and how much uh, we both enjoy their song, Song 2. And it's funny with Blur because in Shitsville, where I come from, they're one of the biggest bands ever. And most people could name you about 10 songs at the very least by Blur. And these people wouldn't necessarily be huge Blur fans. Whereas in America, Blur was successful with one song that lasted two minutes. I'm like, where's song three through nine? Well, I think they realized that that was their peak. America went, all right, we've got, we're interested in Blur, but only for two minutes. And for a song that's got some lyrics, but we'll just remember the woo-hoo bit. Can you imagine if they, if they had some... Because the thing is, was you had grunge in the States, right? So when everyone in the proper country was listening to Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, etc., all of which are bands that I love. England was just, oh no, no, we're fine with Blur and Oasis. We don't, we don't need, we don't need that hard, we don't need that hard guitar stuff. We'd rather two Manchester brothers arguing with one another and one band that go woohoo for two minutes. That's fine for <laughs> us. Funny. I saw Blur once. I'm pretty sure they played song two three times. I actually saw them. Um, at the Hollywood Bowl one time. And I, I got to say, I mean, I don't dislike Blur. I, those 10 songs that I just said most people from the UK would like, um, I, I do quite enjoy it. And uh, I saw them Hollywood Bowl. I also saw them, it's, it's, uh, went to see them do a gig at Hyde Park. Both those shows were very enjoyable. I way preferred them at uh, the Hollywood Bowl, which just goes to prove that uh, America makes even Blur better. That's yeah. that Brussels sprout syndrome, as we said. Take, some, take something British, Americanize it somewhat, and, and make it better. But our, uh, our our point of reference was that um, you know Damon Albarn stepped outside of Blur for a while, and his biggest success was with Gorillaz. And I think he's very proud of the stuff he did with Gorillaz. They sold millions of albums back when people still sold albums. But What's I do, an album? 
I do wonder, um, you know, I wonder if anyone's ever asked this to Damon Albarn in an interview to say, so how does it feel that to be successful in America, you had to become a cartoon? <laughs> they just really don't like my face here. I understand <laughs> that. One day I'm going to have to be a cartoon if we want to succeed. Yeah, it's, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Anyway, it's, we weren't here to talk about uh, Blur or cartoons. We're here to talk about, well, in a second, Charlie Sheen, because there's, Char- there's a Charlie Sheen Texas story coming up, boys and girls. Uh, but first, uh, let's discuss uh, coffee. Now, now, we're coming up to the two-year anniversary of me quitting drinking. And so these days, um, coffee is literally the most exciting thing that I put into my body. If I compare it to the days when I used to party hard, right? Um, someone saying to me back in the day, oh, shall we call our dealer? That modern day version is, do you want to get coffee? I'm like, yes, yes, that's so exciting. It really is the meth of beverages, you know? I like the fact that you, who, you know, still have a few bad habits here and there, occasionally, sort of quietly, try to coffee shame me as if coffee's really, really bad and and I drink a lot of it. Coffee's horrendous for you. Versus all of the toxins that you put in your body. Well, look, man, we're not here to compare. I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I've put many bad things into my body. I've had many bad vices, some may say addictions over the years, but the one bad thing, the one habit I'd say that many people have that I never got into was coffee. You know, even outside of drugs and alcohol, you know, I bite my nails and stuff like that. But coffee was never a coffee drinker. On the other side of things, my brother started drinking coffee at three years old. Okay, well, that I can understand is... is uh, Excessive? And irresponsible. How does a three-year-old get coffee? Now, my mom went to jail for like two years. <laughs> like, how does a three-year-old... Hot coffee? Like a three-year-old? I, I don't know. Yeah, I was so young, but I always remember was he like, just, growing was up. He, was he just literally doing a line of coffee beans? I think he had like a, you know, a, a nanny or something when both my parents were at work. And um, I, I maybe he took a sip of theirs and was like, oh my God, I love this. So like every once in a while, he'd have a sip of my mom's. She'd be like, all right, whatever. That's kind of weird. And then by the time he was way too young to be drinking coffee in the mornings, he was like, yeah, I'll have a cup of coffee, please. Wow. I was a chocolate milk guy until like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you're on your health kick now. So it's (laughs) the thing that happens when you start working out with a trainer and trying to do uh, fitness um, seriously. And and you'll come to, uh, you'll come to experience this is that when it starts, the trainer always says, oh, you can still do stuff that you like. You can still have foods that you enjoy. And, and it kind of, but, but, you know, cut out this or make this adjustment to your diet. And you go, all right, my body's starting to ache. I'm starting to feel a bit fitter. I haven't made that many adjustments. And then as the week goes, weeks go on, if you stick with this fitness thing, one by one, all of the things you enjoy, they all go. Because, of course, if the trainer said to you, if we start now, but in three months' time, we're going to be here. You'd be like, fuck no, I ain't working out with you. I, don't, I, I, I can't possibly live on a diet of chicken and, and, and water, which is basically what it becomes, but one by one. So, you know, the chocolate milkshakes are going, and yeah, eventually. As long as the fried chicken doesn't go on you where I think we're okay. No, I don't think it works like that. No. I remember when I was working out with a trainer, and, and this was exactly the path that I trod, and uh, eventually uh, I was trying to be so strict with the diet and putting in all the macro 
micronutrients into the MyFitnessPal app and all that kind of stuff. And I remember texting the trainer one day and saying, look, I'm really struggling at the moment. I can't possibly have chicken for dinner again. And his reply was, all right, eat turkey. <laughs> Let's get a little sleepier. So here's the, uh, the, the thing about coffee, right, is that unlike all of the things that we know are bad for us, I feel like there's never anything conclusive on coffee because if for, as soon as you get one story that says, oh, coffee's good for you, there'll be another story that says uh, coffee's bad. So here's the example. Um, the decision on what type of coffee to drink comes from the heart. So apparently uh, some days you're in the mood for a regular coffee. Some days you want the triple espresso. Um, and uh, that means that um, your, uh, your choice as to uh, how much coffee you drink is based on how your heart is feeling. So these researchers that have uh, been looking into uh, coffee beans and such like uh, found that your body can tell you when your blood pressure is high or when your heart is working overtime. And that makes you crave caffeine less. So if your body is telling you it doesn't want caffeine, it's smart to listen. What are the, the Starbucks drinks that are like, they're just milkshakes? Uh, All of them. But you know what, it's like... Uh, Something is the frappuccino. frappuccino. Yeah. So if if that's all I'm going to drink for coffee, is that my heart just being like, I feel fat today? That yes, that a hundred percent. I mean, there's so much on that Starbucks menu where it's almost. Is there any coffee in this whatsoever? See, that's the closest I get to coffee. That and the cake. It's literally right. There's so much that's those on the Starbucks menu is literally just spoons of sugar and some coloring dye to to make it brightly Sounds colored. Good to me. So you uh, you compare that story with um, something that came out a few days ago. Here's the sweet spot for how many cups of coffee you should drink in a day. Um, five. Oh. Well, so what? Are you now, like, cutting back from your 12? This story makes me feel better because I'm thinking, I well, if five is good for you... You're almost there. I do a minimum of five, so on the days I have ten, I must be getting more healthy. <laughs> You're double healthy. That's the way I'm doing the math. <laughs> That's math for you. So, the, you know, the, the point is with coffee, though, I feel like there's no consensus. Some people will say it's good. Some people will say it's bad. I No, all, it's bad. Again. I'm a health expert now. I know these things. Just because you gave up chocolate milkshake yesterday. Look at me. I'm jacked now. You wait till you're adding chicken to your chicken. Because that's <laughs> that's where the diet gets. Now, I used to have bacon wrapped chicken. Now I have chicken wrapped chicken. Right. Double chicken. Um, I, no, I always think that if you do... Like, look at all of the... Um, all of like the ex-drug addict rock stars that clean up, like the ones that were known to absolutely cane it, and then suddenly they stop and they become health experts and they start looking really good. What's the one thing that they all do to replace all the other vices? Coffee, coffee, coffee. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right, but that doesn't, I mean, you see drug addicts smoking cigarettes all the time. That doesn't mean it's good for them. No, but you would argue that cigarettes are better than shooting up heroin. So if you can go from like, her here's the echelons, right? Heroin, cigarettes, coffee, right? Coffee's <laughs> it's the most- still number three. <laughs> <laughs> I still get disappointed if I go for any kind of health checkup now where you have to do like height, weight, and answer all the questions. And I don't get the question about drinking because previously, if I went to the doctor or here in the States, they do it at the dentist as well. Yeah. They always ask you about alcohol, right? And when I was a drinker, I don't think I ever filled out that question honestly. 
I'd be like, oh, you know, well, I, two I, or three beers a week. I was really excited about that because, you know, as we've talked about on this podcast, I quit smoking this year. So I, uh, you know, I scheduled an appointment like a month ago for the dentist. You know, finally after COVID, I figured I'd get my teeth clean for the first time in like a year. Yeah. And uh, I called up. I was so excited. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get to tell him in a week. I'm no longer a smoker. My gums are going to be so healthy. They're going to be so impressed. And they're booked all the way through August. <laughs> I have to wait an additional four months to brag about my smoking. I'll probably be smoking again by then. I, I always look forward to uh, the question about drinking now because I can go, none. And then, but then you fill it out. And then what you find is, because you've written that, the doctor doesn't question it. It just goes, thinks to himself or herself, oh, that's good. So anytime I've been in for any kind of checkup or if I've been sick and, you know, you get in there to talk about the symptoms, I might be in there and we're talking about whatever. And I go, in my head, what about the drinking? Ask me about the drinking. Come on, you're a fucking doctor. I want to be congratulated by someone right. from the medical world for my non-drinking. You're not going to ask me about this? You're not going to ask me about this? Do you not notice that I'm not drunk shaking right uh, now? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the opposite side of that was last time I had toothache and I went to the dentist. Um, they were looking to see what was up. And um, they said to me, uh, oh, on some of the teeth, you, you, it might be decay. We need to have a closer look. Or it could be coffee stains. Do you drink a lot of coffee, right? And I was this close to saying to the dentist, all right, back the fuck up. First of all, I had to fill out your questionnaire where I said I don't drink and you didn't congratulate me on that. Secondly, <laughs> if you are now about to tell me to drink less coffee because there's some staining, we're going to have, in fact, I'm going to go to a new dentist. You should be applauding my coffee intake versus my no booze. And now you're telling me that it might be a problem because it's staining my teeth. You should just be happy that he didn't pull the English patient card and just be like, clearly it's from all that tea you're drinking or something like, clearly because you're English, you naturally have bad teeth. Right. I always think that uh, if a British person goes to the dentist in America, the first thing they think is, oh, there's a Brit coming in. We're going to make a load of money here. Drill. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like he's almost like playing with the drill like Eddie Van Halen about to do, about to do a guitar solo <laughs> well, because, because, he, because he's so excited about the fact there's going to be so much work and so much money owed to him. See, again, though, this is you having the complete opposite problem as me. So this might come as a surprise, but I don't go to the doctor a lot. Not because I'm super healthy, but a fear that they're every time they're going to be like, no, you're dying. You need to come here once I, a I week. I told you this. It's because that you become so physically unfit. You felt so bad for so long. You don't, you're numb to right. the badness. Well, It'll hurt. I've told you this before. That's why you were sick the other day. When you've been so unhealthy for so long and you start to get fit, it hurts more because all of the bad stuff is being purged from your body. Yeah, but I didn't see the last time I went to the doctor, I was currently in all my bad. Like I was doing everything bad. Actually, you know, I take that back because at the time, you know, she had asked me, you know, uh, how much times do you drink? And at that period in time was when I was kind of uh trying to stop being going so hard i was still finishing up college and was like oh this is year six of my seven year plan maybe it's time we right. get going with this thing so <laughs> i actually wasn't drinking at the time maybe i would go out with friends i was 21 22 mm. but maybe i would go out with friends i don't know once a month so when she said like how often do you drink how many times a week i said well I, none like i maybe drink once a month and she like 
she looked at me like I was crazy. It was like, no, but you don't, I'm, I'm a doctor. You don't need to lie to me. How much do you drink? I was like, no, really, I don't drink that much. And she looked down at my gut was like, none. You drink no beer at all during the week. I'm just going to put three days. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I was like, all right, you do you, doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, New York producer, uh, he and I used to live very near one another in London and had, uh, you know, a good old time in the bad old days. And um, every so often, uh, I haven't seen him face to face in ages, but uh, he still drinks, but not a lot. And, you know, I quit. Uh, so every so often, if we have like a civilized night out now, it'll end with him going, do you remember when we used to drink a bottle of Jack Daniels after a night out. Oi. That's rough. <laughs> oh, it's so good. That's like your recovery mode. It's like, oh, God, we'll just ease our we way with go one out, bottle. Go out, spend hours in the pub, go back to one of our flats in London and literally open a bottle of Jack Daniels. I'd unscrew the top of the bottle of Jack Daniels and throw it away. I'm like, we won't be needing that again. We're clearly going to do the whole bottle by the end of the night after we'd been in a bar for several hours. Let's kick it old school. Bust out one of these bottles. I got to see that cam field. <laughs> uh, I think he might be gone for a while, possibly forever. Oh, no. Charlie Sheen is suing a flower mound mayoral candidate. Now, you know I have a great deal of affection for Charlie Sheen. Someone whose sobriety won't be going away anytime soon. Absolutely not. Although this, uh, this uh, lawsuit does um, reflect reflect a time at which Charlie Sheen was definitely not sober. Um, so the, the the story is that um, there's a guy who used to do Charlie Sheen's security. This guy is now running for mayor of Flower Mound um, here in... Is Flower Don, Mound... he has my vote. It, I don't care about the rest of the story. <laughs> is Flower Mound considered Dallas or... Yeah, yeah, right. it's DFW. I get confused with what is DFW and what's not. It's As long as it's within an hour of Dallas and or Fort Worth, we'll call it DFW. All right, so I've been to Flower Mound. I quite like, uh, quite like Flower Mound. Um, so, uh, yeah, Charlie Sheen um, is uh, attempting to collect $129,000 in uh, legal fees after a judge ruled in his favor um, because this guy that is now running for the mayor of Flower Mound and used to be Charlie Sheen's security, he sued Charlie Sheen for breach of contract. Now, he was Charlie Sheen's security back in 2013, 2014. So we're talking uh, peak meltdown Charlie Sheen. Tiger blood Sheen. Winning era. I mean, I, I, well, I, I don't want to uh, cast aspersions on any kind of legal process, but it seems to me that if you were security for Charlie Sheen during those days, the least he owes you is $129,000. I mean, you would want to be paid big bucks to try and keep that mess in line. There's, there's two great parts to this story. A, like, in the court documents of what the, the incident report or whatever it is, the guy literally claims it's during the era where Charlie Sheen would drink a bottle and a half a day and be drunk every single day that he worked for. It was during Charlie Sheen's era when he used to drink a bottle of Jack Daniels after a night out. I'm thinking, what's this guy complaining about? That That's peak two and I'm, a half men days. Let, let me call a New York producer and go, hey, was Charlie Sheen ever around on our nights out? Because I'm, you re might be Charlie Sheen. I'm reading this complaint about an ex-security guard, and I don't remember Charlie Sheen being around, but his nights out seem to be very, very similar to the ones that we used to have. This might sound like a crazy thought from the pothead of the podcast, but 
could you be in such a state of sobriety that you're Charlie Sheen thinking you're an ex-radio personality from England? <laughs> I just made it all up. This sounds like your exact story. Also, um, again, I don't know how the legal system works, so I don't want to cast any doubt on this. We'll see how it plays out in court. But this is the... These are the exact words uh, that are being used in the court document. Charlie Sheen wants this 129 grand back because when the guy who wants to be mayor of Flower Mound was Charlie Sheen's security, he intentionally took advantage of Charlie Sheen's chronic inebriation. Now, if you're the security guy for someone who's as famous as Charlie Sheen, I would imagine it's going to be one of those scenarios where you're supposed to save the star from themselves. So you're not really taking advantage of his chronic inebriation. You're basically protecting him from it, Isn't right? Isn't the whole point of becoming like a rich, famous celebrity's assistant is to take advantage of them? I mean, they, that happens to every single celebrity. What's he surprised about? I I, I don't know, but this guy's... Uh, he basically says that he got into a... a the, the guy... <laughs> well, this is where it gets a little bit suspicious, mind you. The guy was doing security... Apparently Apparently went to Charlie Sheen's house at 3 a.m. to draw up the contract. As one does. Well, there's two sides to this. You could say, as I think Charlie Sheen is suggesting now, that he turned up at 3 a.m. to get into negotiations because he knew that Charlie Sheen would be completely wasted by that point. But equally... Those are peak Sheen hours. But, that, but, but, but that's my point. Knowing what we know about Charlie Sheen from those days, do you not think that Charlie Sheen around about 3 a.m. on a Tuesday suddenly went... <laughs> Oh, call my security. I want to cut a new deal. Get him round now. Like, it's like, and by the way, get two, two and a half men on the phone. I need a video link with them right now to show them why the fuck can I not be in the TV show? I'm being completely responsible. I think uh, my second favorite part of this story is just the motley crew that this guy was hanging out with. I mean, the, the headline of the story that we both got this from talks about how the guy running for mayor of Flowermont is, I guess, a controversial figure. The reason he must be controversial is because his two best friends in this era were Charlie Sheen and ex-MLB star Lenny Dykstra. What's Lenny Dykstra got to do with it? Okay, somehow Lenny Dykstra introduced this guy to Charlie Sheen, but if you don't know Lenny Dykstra, he is Charlie Sheen times a thousand. This guy is, first of all, is like, one of the most disgraced figures in the MLB. No one wants anything to do with him. He talks about cheating. He talks about other people cheating, blah, 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 blah. He's been to jail. But, I mean, the guy is just a sexual monster. Mm. <laughs> like, he might be... Everyone's creepy great uncle is Lenny Dykstra. Right. And so... The, those are the two figures that this guy, mayoral candidate of Flower Mound, has backing. Him. He's the uh, he's the perfect person to uh, suggest some uh, security to Charlie Sheen. I mean, I'm just saying, most people that would make them not vote for him. He has my vote. I'm moving to Flower Mound so I can vote for this guy. There's another thing about this that I find intriguing. Um, Charlie Sheen was on Two and a Half Men for years and years. And at that point in time, for, for, for most of that time, he was the highest paid actor on TV, right? right? He made so much money from Two and a Half Men. It all went to drugs. Well, if I, you know, if someone said to me that I could get my hands on 129 grand, I would obviously jump at it. I find that Charlie Sheen, having made so much money over such a long period of time, now wanting 
129 grand. That's like the equivalent of me saying to you in five years' time, you haven't paid me that five bucks you owe me, right? You know, you know I never I never understood when people made that argument because, you know, like, oh, they have so much. Why do they care about what means nothing to them? If someone takes a dollar from me but does it in a way that pisses me off, you better fucking believe I'm getting that dollar back. You don't tell me that you haven't been taken advantage of in several scenarios at 3 a.m. Oh, absolutely I have. <laughs> but you best believe I got those dollars back. Well, he wants these 129 grand. Hey, here's a little uh, side note about uh, Flower Mound. I'm just going to throw this in there. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast long term, you'll know that a great uh, reason why I have uh, an affinity with Charlie Sheen is because I happen to be in Florida uh, the week that his uh, stand-up car crash winning show, uh, the, the tour that he did after he got kicked off Two and a Half Men, was going through Tampa. You couldn't want a better audience for that show than the people of Tampa. And I was in Florida because I went out there to see Iron Maiden. Did I mention it was the time that I was on side of stage for Iron Maiden and met Lady Gaga? Have I ever mentioned that? I think a few times. (laughs) And uh, anyway, here's a funny thing. Iron Maiden's original singer, Paul Diano, sang on the first two albums, former resident of Flower Mound. Really? Have you noticed how whatever we talk about, it all comes back to Iron Maiden? I just put it up Wait, so like how did he end up in Flower Mound? Um... It's a weird thing. He, He's not American, is he? No, but yeah. but after Iron Maiden kicked him out, he lived in America for for quite a long time, and I think he had a a Texan wife. But it's one of these funny things. I know him reasonably well, and I hadn't spoken to him in ages. And when I first moved to DFW, I messaged him and said, "Oh, you know, no, I'm living in Dallas." And this was when um, COVID had hit, so I'd moved to Dallas and didn't really know anything because I couldn't go out and nothing was open. And this original singer from Iron Maiden, who, if by the way, if you Google Paul Diano, batshit crazy, started saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, I used to live in Flower Mound," and suddenly he was giving me like the list of all these things to do about Dallas. And I'm like, "Hang on a minute, how is Iron Maiden's ex-lead singer who is?" fucking insane how does he know more about dallas than i do and i think i'm quite a sane person currently living here but he was like and and he says a lot of things that are bullshit but i bought into this because it was i'm like he, we wouldn't have made up flower mound the fact he lived in flower mound <laughs> around, in right, places, right in Boston, like maybe right yeah in like um in the um in the in the 1990s um, so uh, there's a very roundabout way of me bringing Iron Maiden back into the podcast. But yeah, the favorite things, Charlie Sheen, the, 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 the Tampa shows, Lady Gaga, Paul, Paul, Paul Diano, uh, Flower Mount, like my eight degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever it is, is Iron Maiden. Right? I mean, <laughs> it, it really is. Iron Maiden, it re- and you, yeah. know, you, know, you know what? I, during, uh, during, I'm so, so love Iron Maiden that during the COVID times when you couldn't go out or do anything... I specifically drove 45 minutes from where I live to Flower Mound to see what it was like, right? And it's not fun. to visit him. He's not still there. No, he's back in Shitsville. Okay. No, 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 not to visit him. I just went, and, and this is how much I love Iron Maiden, right? My, I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before, my sister knows loads about Iron Maiden, not because she was a fan or because she wanted to, just because she grew up in the same house as me, so you couldn't escape it. It's like you. You now know loads about Iron Maiden. You don't want to know Way anything. More than I ever Ex- wanted exactly, to. but because you're in my orbit now, it just kind of happens. So I said to her, Oh, spoke to Paul Diano, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, Oh, okay. Anyway, next thing she knows, I'm sending her a picture because I've driven up there and I've taken the picture of the sign off the freeway that says, Welcome to Flower Mound. And so I sent it to my sister and she goes, 
you drove 45 minutes to take a picture of a sign during COVID when everything's closed just because Iron Maiden singer from 40 years ago lived in Flower Mound 20 years ago. You should have taken a Sharpie on that sign, just wrote under it, the town that Deano built. Oh, I wanted, in England, they have blue plaques for people of historical note that lived in certain places. Right. I should have got a Sharpie that said, uh, former resident, Paul Deano, Iron Maiden. Deano was here. Oh, yes. Absolutely. So yeah, there's my uh, my reference point for Flower Mound, Charlie Sheen, bringing it all together under uh, under an Iron Maiden banner. Beautiful. All right, we've got more stuff to talk about in part two, and also some uh, listener feedback. So stick around, give you a little update on Song of the Week as well as Did You America moves on. All right, let's do uh, part two of Did You America. Um, just before we move on to uh, Song of the Week and some uh, Entourage news. Anyone remember Entourage? Jeremy was just uh, Googling to see if there's any references to former Iron Maiden singer Paul Diano being a Flower Mound resident. Sadly, no, there is not. We, he did not commit any Flower Mound crimes. Uh, that's strange because he definitely did cr commit crimes elsewhere. He's so crazy, he's been in jail in both Los Angeles and the UK. See, I was expecting the very first headline to be like, Paul Diano, no longer allowed in Flower Mound. He's definitely no longer allowed in the States because of his criminal record. Like, he can't, <laughs> he, 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 he can't get a working visa. Uh, one of the things I'm very proud of is that he, uh, he did an autobiography years ago and... Um, it was in the, the UK's version of Barnes & Noble. It was filed under true crime, not music, true crime. <laughs> because even though he was once the singer in Iron Maiden, there was more true crime right. in his life story than music. <laughs> You're admitting to a lot of things here. And in that book, in the thank yous, I'm thanked above his mum and dad. Oh, wow. So good. <laughs> Like Paul Does that technically make you an accomplice? At the very back of the book, Paul Diano would like to thank is a bunch of people, Ian Camfield, and then literally three lines beneath that, mum and dad. <laughs> Are they and they don't even finish it off. There's like seven people. <laughs> so they're like in the middle. They get no respect. I did a thing, um, I was working for the sports station here in DFW. And uh, they were doing a, a segment. I forget what what the actual original question was. But somehow, shock horror, I managed to turn this segment on a sports station into a segment about Iron Maiden, right? And there was uh, the two main hosts of the show. They, they're doing the show from down the line, so we're using Zoom to uh, talk with them. And then I've got a guy doing a hockey report in the studio in front of me, right? And uh, the guy who does the hockey report, I didn't know this, turns out that he's a huge Iron Maiden fan. He brings up Paul Diano. I didn't even bring it. But can you imagine what Someone a great... else knows who Paul Diano is? Told, not only that, told me that he thought Paul Diano was a better singer than Bruce Dickinson and Iron Maiden and started singing some Paul Diano era Iron Maiden songs, right? That guy's just trying to be a hipster. This is like, a, can you imagine what a green light this was for me? So me and the guy who does, who does uh, hockey are like... In Iron Maiden Heaven, the people who, who actually do the show, it's their show, have got no control over this because they're doing the show from their homes on Zoom and I'm pressing the buttons. You should see the looks on their faces. They clearly thought they were in Iron Maiden hell, right? <laughs> I'm on air going on a sports station, remember? Oh my God, Paul Diano, Iron Maiden this. The guy who does uh, hockey is going, I'm running free, yeah! Which is like a, a Paul Diano era Iron Maiden song. And the two guys whose actual show it is are going, 
Oh my God, what did we do? <laughs> you were basically like, yeah, 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 you'll get back to the NFL draft in a bit for my next karaoke tune. <laughs> no, you know what it was? I remember now. It was it was a story about um, that someone from the world of football that had signed up to teach, I guess, something uh, football related for a million dollars. And they, they were asking the question, uh, what would be your specialist subject to teach if you were paid a million dollars? Now, when it got to them, because eventually I let them get back on their own show, they were talking about, oh, you know, I'm the greatest person at making uh, deep fried chicken. I, and I'm like, Iron Maiden. Deep fried <laughs> well, chicken. specifically, Paul Diano <laughs> Iron Maiden. Specifically, Iron Maiden from 40 years ago. <laughs> My answer would have been masturbation. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that concludes uh, today's uh, Paul Diano was once the singer in Iron Maiden and a Flower Mound resident segment. We get one every episode. Well, don't say it because it might become true. <laughs> um... Red jumpsuit apparatus. Wait, Talking of, should we not do song of the week? We just oh, I forgot. Over song of the I week. just, I thought I would go from one artist no one remembers to another right. artist no one remembers. <laughs> well, it will split it up between three artists that people will eventually no See, longer remember. Th this is where you bring good producer discipline to these shows because in much the same way as the actual hosts of the sports show I hijacked were going. Can we get back to I make really good deep fried chicken, please? You were like, get back to Song of the Week. Get off of this random maiden Look, tangent. I'm not just here for fat jokes and Jew jokes and dick jokes. I can also produce a bit. Uh, we have uh, Song of the Week. Yes, you can vote by going to our website, didyouamerica.com, or there is a poll on my Twitter. I'm at Ian Camfield on Twitter. Uh, three song choices for you to decide between. I have gone for I Need... Some of that, the new song by Weezer. I went with Black Gold by Flying Lotus and Thundercat. And New York producer's choice is Smile by Wolf Alice. All right, so Smile by Wolf Alice, Black Gold by Flying Lotus and Thundercat, or I Need Some of That by Weezer. Uh, check out uh, Ian Camfield on Twitter if you want to vote on the poll there, or you can cast a vote if you go to our website, digiamerica.com. Now, back to this week's segment of artists that you barely remember and haven't heard the name of in quite some time. Yes. Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Ah, tell us more. <laughs> so they're in the news because... Um, For the first time ever. Right, uh, because one of their band members, the guitarist, has such excellent hearing skills, he uh, was sent to find a guy who went missing uh, rescuers were looking for this person in a wooded area right next door to the home of Randy Winter, who is the Paul Diano of Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, <laughs> only apparently he's still in the band and allowed to visit America or live here. Let's hope so. Um, he said that um, playing and recording music for so long has forced him to hone his listening skills. So the guy from Red Jumpsuit Apparatus uh, went outside heard something that sounded like it could be a person, told the cops where it came from, and they found the guy. Now, what I find intriguing about this story is that generally people who've been in rock bands for a period of time don't have the best hearing because they spend most of their lives on stage in very, very loud environments. Although... I guess for Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, when you've only got one song, your hearing doesn't get that damaged. <laughs> See, I have, a, I have a very weird connection to that one song. They're face down, yes. right? That's the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, 
that's uh that's kind of like the peak uh teenage era for me so like all that teenage angst music so my group of friends we were really into like brand new and then you know like my chemical romance coheed and cambria bands like that were popular at the time right but then there were a few that just i could never get into for some reason whether they were a little too whiny or a little too poppy for some reason red jumpsuit apparatus was that band for me but i had a friend a very close friend who he loved that song now this story isn't about the song this story is about this friend now everyone has one of those friends that's you know the weird one in the group the one that you have countless stories about the one that the one that likes red jumpsuit apparatus so you know Nowadays, some people would say that this kid was likely on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Back then, we used to say he was a fucking freak because this dude is the epitome of being a fucking freak. And I say that with nothing but love because he, as I said, for a long time was one of my best friends, but he... He had this thing where he would he would dance so intensely to that song every single time. Inevitably, he ended up naked. So, <laughs> it was his stripper anthem. It was, but like he wouldn't do like a strip tease to it. He would like rock out and like he would run out of the room and like next time you saw him, he was butt ass naked. Are you telling me this was like the party trick? If he was around, then you needed some entertainment because well, then the, the night wasn't quite fun. Someone said, "Hey, get that red jumpsuit apparatus song on." Which one? Which one? There's only one. Yeah, we. I spent like every weekend at this guy's house. Because you like to see him naked? I was in my head always. <laughs> he, he uh, you know, you would think one time, like, he did it as a joke, like, we we're jamming out some music in his room, and he did it, like, haha, that's ridiculous. He did it every single time the song came on, no matter where it came on. Right. It was just his thing. He was always naked. So now, anytime I hear that song, which, you know, back in the day I worked at a radio station that would play that song, all I can see is this guy's dick flopping around. Well, do you think he still enjoys it in 2021? I can guarantee you he still does that because though I am not as good friends with him anymore, I assure you he is still a fucking freak. Wow. This kid, I, again, I could go into hours. I could do a whole podcast dedicated to stories about him. The way our friendship ended was the final straw... <laughs> Was he, he got into Smash Mouth. <laughs> yes, exactly. You, it was a bridge too far. <laughs> he, uh, we were at our friend's little sister's bat mitzvah, of right. all things. Random note. Um, we, uh, we were just like walking around, hanging out, and all of a sudden he felt a sneeze coming on. Most people, when they feel a sneeze coming on, turn the other way, you know, maybe put their, bury their elbow, their face into their elbow. Say, excuse me. He grabbed my shirt, turned to me, and sneezed directly in my mouth. <laughs> he thought that that's that I would find this to be a funny joke, and I never. That was I couldn't talk to him anymore after. I was like, oh no, I'm now too old to be hanging out with an actual lunatic. Wow. So, in so much as the same uh, as uh, every time you hear face down by red jumpsuit apparatus, every time you hear someone sneeze, you have PTSD every from, from that moment. Every time I hear the horror at a bar mitzvah, I'm like looking around, <laughs> like looking for shrapnel. 
Wow. Well, listen, good on you, Mr. Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, and your, uh, your excellent hearing. Um, let's do the Entourage story, because this is a good one, before we get to some uh, listener feedback on uh, Did You America. So, basically, uh, what's his name? Doug Ellen, the guy That's who it. created uh, Entourage. He sort of thinks he's, uh, he's been unofficially cancelled at HBO. Or it's, it's a soft cancellation you know it's a silent cancel in, in so much as uh, people haven't gone out of their way to cancel him like there is so much of in cancel culture now but he sort of thinks that hbo have decided hmm maybe we should uh, not be showing reruns of entourage because if we do uh people will say it hasn't aged well and then uh, we'll end up getting cancelled uh so the guy who created it said that um the uh, HBO, uh, HBO network ignores the series Entourage because of righteous PC culture. And uh, basically, that uh, he had some great ideas for new TV shows, and HBO haven't entertained them because they want to create distance between themselves and anyone who's uh, anything to do with Entourage. And um, he said that, you know, in the, the current climate, the Entourage show is criticized for its uh, misogynistic depiction of women and uh, glorifying toxic Hollywood culture. Uh, but he's, his point is that uh, actually it was a show about relationships. And as far as the toxic Hollywood culture that it depicted, what it was showing was exactly what Hollywood was like then. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it wasn't about friendship. It was about broship. That show taught a whole generation of bros how to be bros. And might I say, for me growing up, that show was a peak masturbation show. <laughs> sure, that may be why he thinks it would get canceled today. But as a 13, 14, and 15-year-old, when, you know, uh, sometimes porn isn't the easiest to fall upon, but you happen to have HBO in your house, makes things a little bit easier. If, you, if you'd have been slightly older, imagine how much you'd have enjoyed Baywatch for oh, the same reasons. I mean, but the thing is with Entourage, it, you know, peak porn, you said, but um, they actually had a lot of funny lines and a continuous script. It's a great show. Baywatch used to drop scripts for four minutes to play one song to show, like, scantily clad women in show slow motion. Oh, I gotta go back and watch <laughs> yeah, that. Seriously, my, you need to check that my out. My issue with Doug Allen's thinking is, it's like, you know, he, he thinks he's being cancelled for not having a follow-up. It kind of sounds like more he was just a one-hit wonder. That would be... Like if the band Wang Chung was like, we got canceled for everybody have fun tonight. No, <laughs> he just never really had anything fun after that. I think it was him. I think I'm right in saying this that because I don't think it was just someone else's East Coast version. I think he was involved with this. They, they, they tried to do on HBO after Entourage, the East Coast version called How to Make It in America. Did yeah. you ever see that? I, okay, first of all, I want to take a little tangent here. That is one of my favorite HBO shows ever. And no one watched it, and they canceled it after two years. But now, if you look at what that show is about, trying to, as opposed to the film industry trying, coming up in the fashion and streetwear mm. industry, I mean, that's one of the most popular uh, fad industries there is in 2021. They're way ahead of the curve. That right, show. and I think if you... I, I did watch How to Make It in America because obviously the title appealed to me while I was... They smoked PCP in one of the episodes. <laughs> Don't remember that. They were that. like, screw the weed episode, we're smoking PCP in this I one. love that you think that's a good thing. Yeah, no other <laughs> show Look, every show has the weed episode. Everyone's smoking Occas PCP now. They were so forward-thinking. Occasionally, maybe a character will take mushrooms. They were like, we're going to show 
show you what it feels like to have a true freak out. <laughs> so um, the guy behind Entourage goes on to say that uh, it's all uh, retroactive, as so many things are in uh, 2021, because uh, when the show finished, which has got to be, I guess, a good 10 years ago now, yeah. Entourage ended... Um, who was the public? One of the publications, one of the uh, industry publications, said that uh, it was one of the best, uh, most intelligent shows um, on television. Um, and uh, you know, he's basically saying that at the time everyone was fine with it, and now I, th I think he's also suggesting that um, if he was doing a hundred percent reality uh, depiction of Hollywood, they kind of don't want to look back on themselves as going like, oh, that's exactly what we were. Uh, here's a couple of things I would say about uh, Entourage. I remember that even when it was on, and I really enjoyed it because I, I just loved that it was so Hollywood and it was all filmed in Hollywood because at the right. time I was in Shitsville. So you give me a bit of theme music that was made by the guy from Jane's Addiction and the opening credits of them driving down Sunset Boulevard. I was just, oh, this is good. Also, I was sick to fucking death of working for weak fucking media bosses in the UK who never got anything done and most of whom didn't get good ratings. And then you see someone like Ari Gold, the who's all character. about the money. Yep. Because actually, if you if you review Entourage, which according to Doug Ellen, you can't anymore because it's been cancelled. But if it's if it is streaming somewhere, you'll notice that in the first few episodes, it, it's more about the group of guys that all live together yeah, in the sure. house. But as it moves on, it becomes more about Ari because people like, it's all about like Jeremy Piven. He was, he created one of the greatest television characters in history. Right, I think so. But I think also now people are going to go, oh, but he was mean to people, and we're not allowed to be mean anymore one of the things that made me like it a lot at the time was that even back then before council culture was a thing john oliver who's one of my favorite champagne socialists don't agree with almost anything that he says but he is clever and funny he hated that show like he really? would have oh yeah yeah yeah. But i think for all the reasons that now the righteous hollywood people say that it shouldn't be on hbo he would he was hating it back then so at least he was ahead of his time with council culture right. but of he course canceled on Entourage. I would watch John Oliver and still watch John Oliver each week because I want to know what socialists are thinking. Um, and uh, but, but 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 even back then, uh, the, the fact that he disliked it so much and I disagree with almost everything that he said that made me like it even more. Um, I do think that um, I'll tell you how much of an impact it had in the UK. My agent at the time in Shitsville loved the Ari Gold character so much that my UK agent got a dog and named it Ari Gold. Uh, that's the perfect dog name. Now, years later, because I, I still uh, keep in touch with uh, this uh, old agent of mine, I did have to send him a text message and say to him, are you concerned about the potential number of Me Too cases that are being leveled at Jeremy Piven? because and I there were a lot and I don't think they ever amounted to anything but there was a you know when everyone was getting me too right. he, he was in the mix of that right who was it but Jeremy Piven was in it a lot and so I said to my uh, my old agent in the UK I said uh, you know if this becomes like Kevin Spacey level me too, your dog has got a very un socially unacceptable name. And me and my agent are having conversations because he's had the dog for like five years by this point since a puppy. And he's going, 
do you know how much fucking effort it's going to be to retrain that dog if I have to rename him? Like, I've got, like, he does all the he does all the dog tricks and is a great dog companion now, and suddenly he's going to be confused because I can't call him Ari Gold anymore if Jeremy Piven gets properly me too We already had to do it once. At first, his name was Bill Cosby. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I, because, but I remember when I was in New York living there, um, Jeremy Piven was in a Broadway play. This was during Entourage. And um, it became a news story because the play got cancelled because he was sick. Because I, I had tickets to go. And it was one of these stories where everyone was a bit suspicious because it just seemed like he might have been partying a little too much. And I remember, uh, so for this, I never dealt with Jeremy Piven, but I, I, I got kind of, the closest I got to him was at the time I was having meetings with agents in New York, right? And I didn't know, but I was having a meeting on the same day that this new story about Jeremy Piven canceling his Broadway run had happened. And I'm waiting to meet this new potential agent of mine, right? Who's in the other room. And I just hear he's obviously on the phone and he's raised his voice, right? And I hear, and at the time it was out of context, but I hear the words, Are you fucking kidding me? Mercury poisoning? What the fuck? <laughs> and the reality was he obviously had something to do with Jeremy Piven. I don't know if he was his East Coast agent right. or he was looking after the Broadway but show. Now you're probably thinking like, oh, this guy means business. Because, the, well, the, 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 the reason for cancelling the show was that Jeremy Piven had mercury poisoning because he ate too much fish uh, classic excuse you know that guy was actually not even an agent he was like a homeless dude trying to scam you like 10 minutes before read a newspaper was like that one. what do you mean jeremy piven has mercury i'll be with you in a minute okay well to be honest i did get the kind of dog and pony show from the agent at that time because i remember like at the time i was on a i was on a big station in new york and there was a there's a bit of interest from some tv bits and pieces so i was kind of like at the point of going okay i should probably get an agent on the ground and going well you know i'm talking to this person that person that person so because i do remember thinking at the time this agent just put on a whole performance during our meeting where he wanted to be re gold like there was <laughs> me and him are having a civilized conversation about what i'm doing and what i want to do right and at one point his assistant we might as well call the assistant his lloyd remember right. lloyd from entourage <laughs> right comes in and the guy's in the middle of some rant about the radio industry to me and the assistant's sort of standing sheepishly in the corner because he's expecting to be told to do something and um the guy who's the agent just looks up at his lloyd and goes why aren't you writing this down these are the notes you should be taking on ian you haven't even got a pencil out and I'm like, are you doing an Ari Gold? Right. I, like, literally, it was like, you, I feel like we're filming a scene. Am I already auditioning to be in Entourage? Right, literally, that, that, that was what it was like. And it was just like, uh, and I, anyway, I didn't end up working with that agent and I, and, and, and I left New York. But there was a, a big thing where I think at that time, everyone who was an agent 
wanted to be Ari Gold because oh, he course. was the and the funny thing with Ari Gold is that uh, it was based on a yeah. real agent Ari right and uh, talk about a Hollywood family right you know what Ari the real Ari Gold you know what Ari Emanuel's brother's job was for a long period of time what Obama's chief of staff oh there you go right <laughs> how about that that's fact. a successful family fact fans and talking of uh, life imitating art my other um point for uh, Entourage is in Los Angeles, I did once see Lloyd in a CVS. Yeah, how'd that go? Lloyd wasn't an act at all. Oh, yeah. Like, no, Lloyd, Lloyd was very much being <laughs> Lloyd in a CVS. He looked... Very colorful. He looked flustered. He was very colorful. Um, I almost wanted to go up to him in whatever aisle he was in in the CVS and go... Don't worry, Ari will be fine if you're 60 seconds late coming back with these condoms or like whatever it was, because right. it, it looked like uh, he was obviously just shopping in there. You know, be, I forget what the character... his own condoms. Well, maybe, <laughs> but he looked like he'd been sent on a mission from Ari Gold and was terrified about all of it. So, yeah, I um, I don't know. I haven't, um, I haven't re-watched Entourage um, since it was on the first time around. So maybe it does look terrible now, but I, I don't think so. And I think that probably, you know, the guy who created it, I think he has a good point and you have a good point. It may be that he hasn't come up with a great concept for a new TV show, which is why HBO don't want to uh, uh, give him a new TV show. But also maybe they're not so enthusiastic to uh, rerun Entourage because they don't want to point to the fact that that is exactly how Hollywood was. Because I can see that. Because let me tell you, there were some agents' offices on the East Coast that were trying to be like that around the same time. I sat in one. There you go. That I mean, poor assistant wasn't writing it down. I'm sure they're just like, you know what? If you can manage to team up with Mark Wahlberg again, yeah, we'll let you have another show. Because that's the only reason we let you do this in the first place. Mark Wahlberg's like, no, 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 no. I'm making The Departed and I'm playing golf. We we need Mark Wahlberg to focus on one reboot and one reboot only. And that's a reunion of Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. And I will not... I will not let it down till it happens. I need this to happen. Right. I want to see one time... Old Mark Wahlberg jamming out to good vibrations. The, he acts like it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. It's a great song. I mean, the less successful Wahlberg, who was in uh, Ent Entourage, he's quite happy to go back oh, to wait, New no. Kids on the Block. Yeah, yeah. Wait, was he in Entourage? No, hang on. No, you're thinking of the less successful Dylan brother. That's right. No, it's, this is where this is where the fiction becomes reality. He's the less successful Dylan brother, but there's also the less successful Wahlberg brother who was in New Kids on the Block, That's right? Made the show's so good. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'd be up for uh, reviewing Entourage to see if it's really, uh, you know, um, as terrible as some people uh, may suggest. I can go for a good jerk-off show again. Has anyone ever asked... You know what, Jeremy Piven? I, I remember he was going to come into... Uh, he was going to come in and do some uh, uh, promotion for his stand-up show because after the time when he kind of got me too but didn't, uh, you, obviously Hollywood was like, all right, you can probably... He got me one. Yeah, he got... Hollywood said, you've been me one which means you can't have many acting roles for it's the like time being. yellow light, Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going <laughs> to yellow card you. Put we're, that cock away, sir. We're not going to red card you. Yeah, right. All right? <laughs> 
And I would suggest that as you've been yellow carded, you can probably come back, but not for now. So if you want to make money, you've got to do some stand-up because he did start doing some stand-up. Speaking of yellow card, another one of those emo bands I didn't like. Go on. Yeah, that's true. Another one. They should, there should be a tour of like one song emo bands. Yeah. Like Ocean it, Avenue, no, like the, thank you. Yeah, Ocean Avenue. So, and they only play one song for the night. We just get a bunch of them out. We yellow card play Ocean Avenue, Red Jumpsuit do uh, Face Down, Alien Ant Farm do Smooth Criminal, Smash Mouth do <laughs> All star. That's, that's four I think, songs. I think my friend would get naked to all of those songs. Now that I'm thinking back, it wasn't just face down. I saw his dick a lot. Listen, to some, some people have a very emotional response to emo. That's all. That's all. We're, that's all we're talking about here. Uh, but anyway, the, the one more thing on uh, Jeremy Piven. So during the time that he got a yellow card, but not a red card, so he was still able to perform, but wasn't going to get any Hollywood roles. He started doing some stand up. Right. Yeah. And uh, we were going to have him on the old radio show that I used to be a part of in Phoenix, except that that show was very edgy and kind of, you know, didn't give a fuck attitude. It was a big, big show in the market. So um, the people that were doing the promotion for Jeremy Piven had said to the main host of the show, look, we'll bring him in to promote the shows that he's doing in Arizona, the stand-up shows, but you can't start asking him about the Me Too stuff. And the host of the radio show was... Well, then I don't want him to come in because that's what all, all the listeners are going to be. I, I'm not going to say I think he did it, uh, but it's a talking point, right? And the listeners are going to be disappointed if I don't bring up the talking point. My alternate suggestion was I said, okay, let's do some negotiation on this. If he won't answer questions on the Me Too situation, how about we get some pictures of Jeremy Piven and go, how is it when you were in the original, not talk show, but sitcom Ellen, you had virtually no hair, but as Ari Gould, you've got loads of hair. Let's let's oh, talk about your hair scenario. Make fun of his hair all you want. That's why Jeremy Piven is my idol. He went from kind of famous with no hair, and then all of a sudden, as he got older, he grew hair. Boom, more famous. Yeah, right. You, that's the key. You can't have all this missing hair on the top of your head if you're going to be a stud agent. Yeah. And that's what that's how you get Ari Gold. Yeah. He also, also did come out with one of my favorite ever put-down terms that I'd never heard before until it was in Entourage. Brace yourself, listeners. I'm about to say possibly the most offensive term ever. Oh, that's how we get canceled, huh? Well, this, maybe this is our uh, entourage got canceled. I'll grab my backpack. He didn't call someone a cunt. He referred to them as a cunt muscle. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the script. <laughs> and, 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 the and, part uh, that controls the cunt. <laughs> and he's in the scene. He's got some like bad news that's up from the Hollywood world that's upset him, and he's in bed with his wife, right? Yeah. And he's like, so he's on the phone, and he just goes, "You fucking cunt muscle," and like hangs up. And then his wife looks at him and goes, "Ari, cunt muscle." <laughs> <laughs> See, we're laughing at Entourage he's already. Very <laughs> All right, we got some. Um, Listener feedback uh, before we go today. Uh, Paul Kane wrote regarding the pig parkers. By the way, if you would like to correspond with the show, didyouamerica.com is where you can go. You can message us or be on the show. If you click be on the show, you can uh, talk at your listening device and send us a voice message. If you uh, don't want to hear your voice on the podcast, you can just uh, type us a message. So didyouamerica.com, go to the website and uh, click either message us or be on the show. Uh, Paul wrote in regarding uh, Pig Parkers. That was something we did a, a couple of episodes ago. 
said a failure on the parking. When we lived in NRH, what's that? I don't know if that's a place or some sort of institution. I was New Hampshire, but no. Okay, when they live somewhere NRH, what's the point of you being my American filter if you don't know? Let's just say New Hampshire. Okay, when he lived in New Hampshire, but probably not, someone kept parking in the carport I paid for, and eventually my wife went passive-aggressive with lipstick on their car window. Con- North Richland Hills. Where's that? It's a neighborhood in DFW. We'll come to another point I've got about you in a second. Let's finish Paul's point first. Complex upgraded us to a garage and the stains were still on the car six months later. Oh, no. So if you want to go proper passive-aggressive with pig parkers but not as far as slashing their tires, get some lipstick and put it on the windshield is what um, okay. is what Paul says. My point with you is this. How- <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. How, how you've... I- <laughs> you've You've li- apart from a couple of years of going to school in Arizona. Four. Four, okay. Apart and one year in Austin. Not for college, but... Yeah. Five years. Five years outside of DFW. And I bet you've exaggerated that. I'm going to go with four years as my original <laughs> point. Well, the one year I was in first grade, so it doesn't really count. Four years at the most. Apart from barely four years of living in Arizona, you have lived... Almost all of your 28 years on Earth in DFW, and yet you don't know where anything is. No. How I still, I still sometimes will put your address in my phone to figure out how to get here if I'm not leaving exactly from my house. You have been coming here <laughs> twice a week yeah, for the well last aware. six months. Well, I normally come from my house. Is the thing. And that's what, a 20-minute journey? So I, uh, I, the high school I went to, this won't mean anything to you, but maybe some of the local listeners, I went to Plano West High School here in DFW, and my, uh, my first day driving to the high school, I was in 11th grade, You know, got my license only a few months before. I wake up in the morning, I get in my car, and I realized on day one of 11th grade, I had no idea where my high school was. I lived all of five minutes from the school. Oh I had no idea my. where my high school was. So I ended up in the parking lot of the middle school that was right next door, a school I was three years too old for at that point, <laughs> and managed to get into a car accident with one of the mothers dropping off her sixth grader at the school. That's how I started my high school. So, yeah, directions aren't really my thing. I have I, well, no, but it's not no sense of direction with you. I've got no sense of direction. My geography is terrible. You literally don't know where anything... I don't know how you managed to live almost 30 years in the same place and you don't know where anything is. I'll mention major areas to you. We'll discuss places like Bishop Arts and Oak Cliff. You, and you go, I don't know where it is. You know my job. My job is not being a mapatologist. So NRH is where? North Richland Hills. Okay, which is like, what, 20 minutes like from Fort here? Fort Worth area. Right, okay, so it's about 20 minutes from yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. 20 minutes from where you've Everything lived? Everything is 20 minutes from here. And you've lived here for nearly three decades, and you still don't know that. Don't judge me, man. Go back to England with that nonsense. <laughs> well, the thing is, I've lived in DFW for 18 months. During six months of that time, it was full-on COVID, so no one was going every, anywhere, and everything was closed. And I know the area better than you. It's I, a big place there's a lot of area here okay um chad uh corresponded regarding the previous episode where i was uh kind of getting behind 
Caitlin for California. I mean, I'm getting behind Caitlin for California based on what I think she can do. It's a little bit hard to judge right now because if you go to Caitlin Jenner's website now, she's decided she wants to run for governor of California. Cut it out, Caitlin. Still, there are no policies, but there are there is merchandise that you You're can buy. You're riding shotgun and car with Caitlin. <laughs> well, we did do uh, some uh, campaign consultancy for Caitlin on the previous uh, episode, and the first thing is she does need to get rid of that picture of her driving a car. No one needs to be reminded of that. Driving isn't her thing. No, driving is definitely not her thing. How- Killing women with her car, kind of her thing. I'm going to do the Ricky Gervais joke again. Caitlin Jenner. What a great campaigner for trans rights. Not such a good example for women drivers. No, not at all. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, we were suggesting that there's a few things that she needs to do. And my, my thing was you can bring people together because um, apparently she's going to be uh, very conservative with her policies. So old school Republicans are going to love the policies but be confused as hell about the fact someone who's saying stuff they believe in is a she that used to be a he. And then all of the liberals who would have just got behind a trans candidate because of trans rights are going to be like, oh my God, what do we do about this? The answer would have been yes, because she's trans, but we hate what she's saying. So I'm suggesting that she could be the the one thing that, that unifies people. I also said that um, I know people disagree with me on this, but I kind of miss the newsgasm that was Donald Trump. Not so much for the Trumpy policies. Well, for some of them, maybe. But more to the point that it was just fun. It was a constant news. It was a four year newsgasm. Whether or not you liked or disliked Trump, the newsgasm and the entertainment value, it was entertaining. And Again, nothing for or against Joe Biden, but we don't have that entertainment. We could ridicule him for falling up the stairs to Air Force One, but every 78-year-old falls upstairs. It's an unkind thing to do to ridicule a 78-year-old for that. Jeremy falls upstairs. I was say, and he, I'm 28. He's 28. He, I fall upstairs all the time. Right, I'm sitting in front of a 28-year-old who falls upstairs. So you don't have the newsgasm aspect with Joe Biden. And again, nothing for or against these policies there's just not the entertainment there whereas i think caitlin's gonna have this i don't give a shit what i say whether or not it upsets people i'm gonna say what i believe so i'm campaigning for her to bring back the newsgasm and chad's idea was as part of the campaign she rewrites the words to the motorhead song orgasmatron and turns it to newsgasmatron i i like that idea but i have a, a message for the audience this podcast is not an Iron Maiden podcast. This podcast is not a Motorhead podcast. If anything, this podcast is a Steely Dan podcast. So you start giving us that Dan content and not anything else. Um, all right. Well, okay, Chad, you want to have a go at rewriting the words to Motorhead's Orgasmatron and Steely Dan's Dirty Work? I mean, poli- <laughs> politics is dirty work. Right, exactly. And we'll send them to uh, Caitlin and say... Give me a little jazz, which, baby. Which one do you want to go with? I'm already going to tell you that Orgasmatron by Motorhead versus Dirty Work by Steely Dan. You could suggest maybe that the Steely Dan song is more ladylike. I think 
based on her politics, we're going to get one song from Caitlyn, and it's going to be Macho Man by the Village People. <laughs> well, the Village People have never done so well since <laughs> since politics became fun, yeah. right? I mean, what was the chances of Trump not only continuously playing the Village People, but on some occasions dancing to it with no concepts of what YMCA was written about? I mean, it, this is what I mean, people, about even if you hate him, there's a great example of part of the four-year newsgasm. One of the most Republican of Republican presidents getting up there dancing to YMCA with no context of what those lyrics were about. The best would be the people in the audience like dancing as if they were at a live Village People concert. (laughs) All right, and finally... Cousin Nigel has left us a voice message. Oh, he's back. And uh, today, Cousin Nigel uh, has some issues with you, Jeremy. Evening, Ian. It's Cousin Nigel again from Harlow. First off, Jeremy, you shut your filthy hole. I'll say whatever I bloody want on this show, you bloody wanker. You know where I'll be appearing next? In DFW, in your mum's bedroom. Oh, and you want to know how the show went? Oh, since you're playing the advertisement a week late... There was 11 people there. Camilla Cleese left halfway through the show. So that's how it went. But I still love you. Cheerio. Uh, Just a bit of context on that, because it's from an old podcast that you might not have heard. So uh, Cousin Nigel checks in from Shitsville occasionally. He's my cousin (laughs) from Harlow, which is in Essex. Uh, apparently, he's my cousin from Harlow in Essex. He's definitely your cousin. I take back anything I've said about him being fake in the past. He uh, he uh, did let us know a while ago that he was going to be doing a stand-up show uh, somewhere in Arizona. Very bizarre that during COVID, someone from Harlow in Essex was able to travel to Arizona to do some stand-up comedy, uh, but that he was going to be on the bill with uh, one of John Cleese's daughters, um, a bill that apparently was so terrible, John Cleese's daughter left uh, halfway through. So anyway, there's the context on uh, Cousin Nigel. Thanks, Nigel. I do love it when you reach out from the old country. Uh, any responses? To- He's brought your mum yeah, into it, yeah, right? first <laughs> of all, Nigel, my mum lives in Houston, so take that. You will not be sleeping with her. And if you were, I would welcome you to the family as my new stepfather. I love you. Okay, all right. Well, that's good then. So we're keeping the peace with Cousin Nigel, well, right? yeah, he threatened me and I'm terrified of him now. Now, I don't want to, uh, you know, pull the curtain back too far, but uh, some people might suggest that Cousin Nigel is actually someone who is American who lives in Arizona who's just putting on that, that fake British accent. I do love it when Americans like to say wanker. You're obsessed with that word, right? Yeah, well, it's not... Uh... For me, it's about playing with your penis, and that's about it. Right, so. because in the UK, like having a wank is is jerking off. Yeah. So it's the same as like if you call someone a jerk, as if an American calls someone a jerk. Is that the that's? Yeah. I guess so, but I feel like that's. I feel like wanker is like more playful than jerk. You well, know, jerk no, is see, like you're just like falling like you're mean. Well, they see that's funny because if you say wanker in the UK on on media, you'll be fined and taken off air like it's not a terrible terrible curse word, but it's 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 pretty bad. But for some reason Americans think it is as as fun because you just love hearing it. You wanker. You wanker. <laughs> you wanker. It's uh it's very British. It is very 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 British. And uh, let's stop talking about British stuff because this podcast is called Did You America? Yeah. If you would like to reach out uh, or you want to vote for Song of the Week, uh, Song of the Week poll is at Ian Canfield on Twitter or you can vote via the website, didyouamerica.com. That is also where you can go if you want to send us a message, if you want to uh, message us uh, via 
the written word hit messages. If you want to be on the show, like uh, Cousin Nigel, um, you can hit be on the show and then talk at your listening device and send us a voice message. So didyouamerica.com, the place to go to to uh, get in touch. You can also check out old episodes or buy one of our Did You America t-shirts. How comfortable are they, Jeremy? Oh, so good on your nipples. Did we America today? We always do.